In this episode, we are joined by Lindsay, who has agreed to let me use her actual name. Isn't she fabulous already, folks? She is going to just give the listeners a bit of perspective from the person experiencing me. Sometimes that can be a little weird or daunting, and so I thought that the viewers would enjoy a an outsider's perspective of what Mandy looks like. So, All right. take it, Lindsay. Oh, boy. Well, um, I've been seeing Mandy for about four years now. And I vaguely remember the first time I walked into her office. She remembers everything. Lucky her. <laughs> and uh, when she's reminded me, it's very cringy. Um, I came in all happy and optimistic and this is going to be great and I'd seen therapists before and so I said, oh, okay, well, I'll give this one a try. Um, my sister recommended her, so I was like, okay. And then I go in and I start telling her about myself and we have a little chit chat and then she says, you don't like yourself. And I said, oh, and then I burst into tears. <laughs> No other provocation. By the way, I do that. <laughs> she does that a lot. She still does that. And it's annoying. I don't like it. I, re I was just telling you yesterday, I don't like when you do that. It's just truth bomb. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, is that why you don't like when I do that? Because it's the truth? Yes, that's exactly why I don't like it. Okay. But I also appreciate it because nobody else has actually been truthful with me in my life. Other therapists, they tried to like help me manage my anxiety and depression with breathing exercises and going outside and trying to help me forgive my abusers without them really understanding what they did wrong or helping me understand what they did wrong. Um, so that didn't work for me. And I come in and there's no more fluff. It's just, this happened and you need to deal with it. And I don't like it. <laughs> I complain a lot. <laughs> okay, so what makes you want to keep coming back to see me? Because it works. <laughs> it's I've treated like um, dialysis or a cancer treatment. Like depression is cancer of the brain, I think you've said. I, cancer of the emotions, but... Yes. Same thing. That makes more sense. Mm. Cancer of the mind. Yeah. Totally different. Yeah. And... I have to keep coming back because there have been times where I'm like, oh, I won't go this week. It'll be okay. Oh, I don't need to text her. It's fine. I don't want to call her. I don't want to bother her. And then, you know, it doesn't work out for me. I try to do it my way, which has never worked. Um, and then it just sort of became a, I am one of the clients who says I need my Mandy fix. I am also one of the clients that says, dang it, Mandy, a lot. <laughs> And what do you mean by dang it, Mandy? Oh, okay. So I'll talk about how she'll, I'll come into the office and she'll say, how's your day going? And I'll say, well, this, this, and this. And I feel like everything's going pretty well. And she says, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? And then she'll say, you're feeling this. You're having issues with this thing. And I just throw up my hands. I'm like, how do you do that? No, I was fine. No, you weren't. No, I wasn't. <laughs> so so pretty much the dang it, Mandy, is I see through the, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Right. I got this. Right. Well, I'll tell my friends, they'll say, are you okay? And I'll say, 
yeah, I'm just tired. I'm not. I'm, there's a lot going on, but I don't feel like talking about it or explaining it or dealing with it. And then I try to do that with you. And you just say, no, <laughs> we're not going to do that. That doesn't work on me. Okay, so do you feel dependent on me? Do you feel like I'm trying to get you to have to rely on me? Oh, goodness, no. I've tried to make myself dependent on you, and you also don't stand for that. Mm -mm. I'm trying to call you at 3 a.m., and you're just not answering because you have a life. <laughs> and I'm not actually having a crisis. I'm just wanting you to solve all my problems for me, yeah. and that's not what you do either. Which is another thing I'm a nerd at. Uh -huh. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> yes. So, again, you don't spoon feed me. Here's one of the most annoying things. When I was very deep in my depression, and I was also pregnant, it was not a good time for me. Um, as far as pregnancies go, it was fairly straightforward and simple. But it's still pregnancy, and it's not the most fun time. And in the summer. So miserable and I was trying to tell you about how hard it is being pregnant and first of all your pregnancies were actually life-threatening <laughs> so I'm complaining to the wrong person and second of all you won't let me have my pity parties and I'm so mad I still don't like that I want to feel bad feel bad with me no <laughs> she validates my feelings without letting me sit in the mud puddle I create for myself okay so just really quick to sum up what are some of the things that you appreciate that I have done well there was a time in the office where I was sitting on the couch and we had just gotten into some very heavy trauma and I started hyperventilating and full-on panic attacking and I hadn't had one in a few years and you rolled your eyes and then came and sat on the couch with me and held me until I could breathe properly again. And as soon as I was breathing, you left so that I wasn't clinging to you. I could stand on my own. Um, and I still really appreciate that to this day. Um, when I was in my postpartum depression and was actually in more of a crisis instead of an imagined one, my depression tells me. Um, you did come over to my house at 3 a.m. to help me figure out how to calm my mind and breathe and be with my child, whom I love very much. And I felt very cared for. But also, it was all business in the sense of, I'm here to take care of you, and it's we'll do whatever it takes. And then as soon as we were good to go, you're like, okay, good night, bye. And drove away. <laughs> And okay. then I could finally sleep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And what's the, one, the number one thing that you really don't like about me? Oh, that's hard. I really want to joke right now. Oh, so after all these years, the number one thing I really don't like is how you still come out of nowhere. Literally. We won't even be talking about anything. And you'll just say, you need to stop doing this. I was just sitting here. <laughs> I was minding my own business, enjoying my day, and now I have to deal with something. Great. I appreciate it, but I don't appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Lindsay. Yes, Lindsay. Oh, it's been a joy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you think so. <laughs> like always. <laughs> Thank you for being willing to come and talk and share your experience with all the listeners out there. You're so welcome. Uh, My sympathies for everyone out there. She is insane, but she is actually <laughs> good at what she does. So... Thank you. Yes. Now goodbye. This episode is called Answering the Naysayers. Now, I don't mind feedback. I actually ask for it. I like to talk to a lot of different people and see what their thoughts are. I take people's opinions into account a lot. But my entire life, I have been attacked by people who either don't understand me or they are afraid of me or they just don't want to have to deal with me. So this isn't something that is new to me. Uh, those of you who go on to the podcast page probably saw the review and I know that when people talk like that, they just want to be right. They don't, they're not in it to actually engage, to give um, critique or to give opinion. They are, they want to be right and nothing I say is going to change that. So I don't want to get into a back and forth, I'm right, you're right, battle uh, in the review section. That doesn't serve any purpose whatsoever. I do know that no matter what I say, the person who wrote that review isn't going to change her mind. She's going to uh, still continue to think the way that she thinks. That's her prerogative. I don't have a problem with that. But I do need to answer the naysayers because you need to understand that, yes, I do read all of the reviews and no, I'm not afraid of any of them. I just am not going to get into it with people who want to attack me and just want to prove that they're right. So the, the thing is, um, I'm going to kind of thank that reviewer because she proved a lot of my points in my introduction that I am different and people have a hard time with that. So I, I do appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, it also came on really fast. I didn't think that I would be attacked that quickly, but at is usually a gauge to me that I'm doing it right. If people hate it so much for no reason, then I must be on the right track because people hate change. It's uncomfortable. They don't like it. So if the person is done talking to me and goes skipping out of my office, I have not done my job. But... If the person gets some, as Lindsay put it, truth bombs dropped on them and it causes them to think and reconfigure and tweak and refocus, then I am doing my job. 
I have been doing this for 30 years and I have been doing this in all sorts of places. Uh, I've owned my own business. I've worked under others. I have been successful everywhere I have worked. Um, so when the person attacking me says that I don't know what I'm doing, I have to disagree with that because here's the other thing. Uh, my business has run only on referrals. I never marketed myself. Um, now, people don't refer you if they don't like you. They're not going to encourage friends and family to go and talk to somebody that they don't like. So that right there also says that I am not this horrible person that the reviewer claims I am. Now the last point I'm gonna make about that review is that it wasn't based off of any of my concepts. She claimed she didn't like who I was as a person and that that was bad and wrong and red flags and you shouldn't pay attention to me because I'm such a horrible person. Well, she's never met me, so how does she know? These are, and I get that people see things through their own lens of experience, and I get that she's experienced things differently than I have. Um, but I have never claimed that my experience is the only experience. I have just simply stated that these are things I have learned from my experience, my many years of education, my many years of being trained, and my way of thinking differently. Now, I'm sorry, I did say that there was, this was the last point on that review, but I feel that when uh, the reviewer was telling me that I don't know what I'm doing and I don't think that anybody else has any value, uh, that disparages the people that I regard as great therapists. There are several of them out there. I learned from them. I worked with them. I loved their approach and their technique. And the thing that I know is that there is never a one-size-fits-all, especially in the mental health field. So I don't profess to be the end-all, be-all of therapy. My way doesn't work with everybody. I accept that. I don't have a problem with that. I do not profess to be the only therapist out there that knows what I'm doing, nor that is good at my job. I just claim, and <laughs> this statement is not just me, that not all therapists out there are good. That's just a fact. Sorry, but it is. So in answer to the naysayers, the thing about it is we're all going to engage in uh, situations where people aren't going to like what we're doing. They're going to want to attack us. They're going to want to um, put us down to make themselves look better. They 
aren't going to want us to succeed because that means that they can't. I know that's a really weird way of thinking. It usually happens in unhealthy people. Um, and so you are going to encounter naysayers in your life if you haven't already, and I'm pretty sure you have. Now, I'm not doing this podcast because I don't think my listeners are smart enough to understand that that review wasn't a real review. I do believe that people know what is good, what is bad, what is healthy, what is unhealthy. They do know it. So I'm not doing this to try and convince people that the reviewer was a terrible person. I am answering the feedback as well as giving you tips on how to deal with naysayers in your life. So years ago, I had a boss and she was borderline, didn't know it at the time. For those of you who don't know what borderline is, for those of you who haven't been paying attention to the Johnny Depp Amber Heard court case, um, because Amber Heard was said to be diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Basically, borderlines will do and say anything to get what they want. They really don't care if they have to break the law. They don't care if they have to lie. They don't care who it hurts. They will just simply do and say whatever it takes to get what they want. So my ex-boss, she was borderline. Now, this was about five years ago, and I started using the concept of I am enough. I don't believe in positive affirmations. I don't believe that they work. So I would get these kids in my office and they hated themselves and I would tell them, okay, the thing I want you to do is I want you to go out and I want you to tell yourself that you are enough because that's not a lie. We are all enough. We all have it in us to be the person that we want to be. We just don't always know how to access that. So I had this concept of I am enough. Now, this was before um, it kind of spread throughout. Uh, now it's, you know, you get rings and bracelets and stuff that'll say I am enough to remind yourself. And there are plaques that say it. And I know it's not that earth shattering of a phrase, but it really wasn't one that people had embraced or embodied yet. And no, I don't claim to be the creator of it. I just simply used it because it was truth. And I knew that the brain doesn't kick out truth. Well, my boss hated that. She hated how successful I was with kids and teenagers because that was supposed to be her strong suit. And I was helping kids that she couldn't. So she got mad at me and she got rid of me. Now, I was seeing this teenage girl and she got ripped away from me when my boss got rid of me. My boss tried to use horse therapy to kind of bribe this teenager to like her better than me. Like, okay, so the girl likes horses. That really doesn't mean that she likes you better than me. And why are you trying to do that anyway? What's the point? This isn't a custody battle. It's not a parenting situation. It's a client. Shouldn't the number one priority be to help her be healthy? 
I thought, but I'm not borderline. So I heard from this girl's mother that she was sitting on the horse one day, the girl was, and my ex-boss walks up to her and she says, isn't this more fun than just staring in a mirror and telling yourself you're enough? Okay. How is the girl supposed to take that? Because that puts down everything that she gained while she was working with me. Why go after somebody else because you don't like what I'm saying? That's just not really okay. So when you're looking at how to deal with the naysayers, I knew that my boss wasn't going to care one bit about what I had to say. And I knew that she was trying to hurt this girl, to get this girl to like her instead of me. So I went to her mom and I said, please just remind her how she felt about herself when she was working with me. Just remind her. So the mom did. The girl actually stopped doing the horse therapy because she was tired of having to pick a side, be used, be, you know, be the volleyball. I, I don't know. Um, but she stopped seeing uh, my ex-boss. So that's the first step in how to answer the naysayers is you don't engage. If you're not going to get somebody who is going to listen then don't engage because it's not worth your time. In my years of working with very difficult situations, I see abuse on a lot of different levels. Uh, I had this client who, she didn't start seeing me, but she brought her son in who was in the process of having a psychotic break. And I, the school wouldn't allow him to go back to school unless he got checked off by a therapist. And, and so um, she was referred to our agency. And because I am good with kids, he got put with me. With my work with him uh, and through what I was able to do and what his mom saw, she asked me if I would start seeing his younger sister, and I did. Then she asked if I would start seeing her, which I did. And then she asked if I would start seeing his older sister, which I did. So I was seeing almost the whole family. Now, where was the dad in this? Well, divorced because he was a full-on narcissist and he could care less about anybody but himself. So... The wife had finally been able to get out of a very abusive, volatile situation and start to heal. The way that the kids were changing and that the ex-wife was standing up for herself, the guy, the ex-husband and dad, didn't like it. He didn't have the control that he used to have and he got really mad about it. So, <clears throat> excuse me, he went and to the court and petitioned the court and said, 
I want them to see a different therapist. Um, the mom came to me and said, what do I do? I said, allow it. Why do you need to fight it? If you allow your kids to be checked by another therapist, it's not going to hurt anything. Now, how can I say that if I think that I'm the only one who knows what I'm doing? I can't. The thing is, I know that my techniques are different, but I also know that they don't hurt people. And so other techniques being used uh, are going to help also. I mean, I said I, I've used a lot from my education. So I had to learn the um, CBT and DBT and uh, EMDR and evidence-based and all of the different kinds of therapies that are used. I, I had to learn how to use all of those. And I do implement a lot of those techniques in my sessions. I implement whatever I need to get the client healthy. So I don't really say, oh, conventional therapy, bad, and, and throw it out the window. <clears throat> so they set it up that um, all the kids had to go in and be evaluated by this other therapist. And after talking, this other therapist went to the court and said... Mandy's great. They love her. They're getting healthy. It's fabulous. I don't see a reason to remove them from her care. And the judge read her report and turned to the dad who hated me because I was so different and I was ruining his master plan to control his universe and said, maybe you should start seeing Mandy too. Oh my gosh, I busted up laughing. That was so hysterical. The look on his face was priceless. <laughs> it was, oh, I lost, huh? So the second step to dealing with the naysayers is to not be afraid of a second opinion. It's if you are in the right, if you are truthful, if you are healthy, a second opinion isn't going to show up against you. So don't be afraid of it. In fact, it reinforces your argument or your actions. So it's a good thing. And I never am afraid of a second opinion. Along the same lines, I am not afraid of facts either. If I have people say, um, I'm going to Google this. I'm like, okay, go ahead. I will tell them Google doesn't give all the information. And so if it seems like it's leaving something out, ask me. And then I will also say, look, this is my technique that I developed. So you're not going to be able to Google this. You're not going to find it. Um, so I'm very upfront and honest about when they want to do research, what they'll find and open it up to asking me questions or somebody else questions. A lot of times that's enough because if somebody is afraid of what they're doing and, and know that it's not working and know that it's not right, they don't want anybody checking their information or checking their facts. So that's another, the third one, dealing with naysayers, fact checking. Fact checking, you should never be afraid of if you are living in truth. <clears throat> now. Years ago, um, and there's a funny saying in my family, if it isn't uh, one thing wrong, it's 50. 
We happen to get hit by all things all the time, all at once. It's just how we work. And I've always kind of worked that way. That's always kind of been my life. And my mom, one time, I was in my early 20s, came to me and she said, why do these things keep happening to you? And I said, I don't know, mom, maybe I'm special. And my mom looked right at me and said, you're no better than anybody else. Well, I know, and that's not my point. I know I'm not better than anybody else. I don't ever profess to be better than anybody else. I don't treat anybody like they're better than anybody else. If I am dealing with a homeless guy and the Queen of England, I will treat them the same because nobody is better than anybody else. Different, yes. Better, no. So <clears throat> that's the fourth thing that you can use in response to the naysayers because naysayers like to put you down. They like to make you bad, make you wrong. Well, if I don't feel that I'm better than anybody else, I also don't feel that anybody else is better than I am. So you can have your opinions, that's just fine. But unless you know the facts, I am not going to pay attention to what you are saying because you are not better than I am. So I don't need to listen to what you're saying if all you want to do is attack me. I'm not required to stand there and take attacks and abuse just because the other person wants to throw it at me. We feel in society that if we walk away from somebody trying to attack and abuse us, we're being rude. Well, they don't care about you. They don't care about what they're doing to you. So who's actually the one being rude? You for walking away and not being attacked or them for continuously attacking you. The final thing that you can use to deal with the naysayers is being solid in yourself. This is a term that I use because you can hate yourself while still showing up with self-esteem and self-confidence. We'll talk about that in an, another episode, but you can. So being solid in who you are means that you know who you are and you're not going to change with the wind. This is probably one of the biggest things people hate about me is that they want me to change to accommodate them and I won't do it. I did it when I was growing up. I did it for all of my abusers. I did it for all of my attackers and I did it for all of the naysayers. Anytime anybody would come to me and say, you need to do this instead. I would change. I would. And I hated myself and it was never enough for them. So I hit a point in my life where I decided that I needed to figure out who I was and just stand in who I was. I have people come up to me quite frequently and look at me and say, do you know who you are? Yes, I do. But do you really know who you are? Yes, I do. Well, I don't like who you are. Ah, there's the problem. Well, if you don't like who I am, I am sorry about that, but I'm not going to change for you. So it's simply, yes, I do know who I am. And it makes 
other people sometimes uncomfortable. Well, the way that other people act sometimes, I'm not a big fan of. If I don't like it and I need to have a relationship with them, then I work through it. If I don't like it and I don't need to have a relationship with them, then I walk away. That is the last thing. Know who you are and only change for you. Now, that doesn't mean don't listen to other people. It doesn't mean don't listen to their suggestions, their opinions, their ideas. But don't waffle in the wind. Stay solid in who you are. If somebody says something that makes sense to you, work to include that in who you are. But if they just sit there and say, I want you to change because I don't like who you are, that's your red flag. And you need to run away from that. So don't let the naysayers destroy what you want to do or hurt what you want to experience. Stay solid in who you are. You don't have to give in to them. You can do it the way that it's good and healthy for you.